Thanks for calling Toyota. This is Jan. I just adopted a new best friend, and I'm looking for a Toyota so we can make the most out of summer. With a new RAV4, you can take your pup for a drive up the coast. You can take a Prius to the park. Or you can take a Tundra to kayak at a remote lake. One problem, Jan. Oh? My new best friend's a cat. Your summer starts here, but it all ends June 3rd. Toyota, let's go places. Dealer inventory may vary, so you're participating Toyota dealer for details. Visit your front-range Toyota stores today. Toyota, let's go places. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And go. In the air, deep right center go. field. Two-run home run, Trevor Story. Way back, Myers. He'll watch it go Chuck Nasty. Two-run home run, David Dahl. And Nolan drives this high in the air, deep left field. Take a good look. You won't see it for long. I don't want to lose your love tonight. Welcome, welcome, welcome one, welcome all, welcome everybody out there in the world to the DNVR Rockies podcast brought to you by StravaCraft Coffee. Do remember to use that promo code DNVR20 because you get 20% off your entire purchase of that CBD infused, deliciously rich and potentially life altering StravaCraft Coffee. I am your host, Drew Creaseman. I am the managing editor of DNVR Rockies. With me, as always, is beat writer Patrick Lyons. And on this day, and on this episode, we memorialize, we say goodbye, we finally bury in the ground the Colorado Rockies. <laughs> Just got de- decreasing. Uh, 2020 campaign has come to a big wet flopping thud of an, an end with uh, an 11 to three loss at the hands of the Arizona Diamondbacks uh, in a game where the Rockies really didn't even threaten to score until grabbing a couple late and they were they just getting pounded. Uh, this thing couldn't end quickly enough, kind of like the season there, Patrick, but it finally did come to a conclusion and now we can kind of step back and and take a look at what's left to take a look at here. Correct. I I'll, I will reach back into my quiver, pull forth an arrow. Drew, please 
light the end on fire as I reach back and the raft that is now floating out there in the ocean, right. I will let go of that arrow and we will set that raft aflame and true Viking funeral for the 2020 Colorado Rockies. It is over and it is now time to discuss what is going to happen for 2021. And we've got, we've got a long time to do that. But you're right, it, this is the end, and it could have been even worse. 11-3 sucks. You lost to the Diamondbacks. They take three out of four in this series. They, they took both ends of the doubleheader on Friday night. But at least it wasn't a two-hit shutout, which is what it was gearing up for most of the game with only Walters and Tapia coming through with hits. And there in the third inning, they get a little something going. They, they salvage uh, uh, something. A little bit of pride, yeah. Yes, with, with a couple yeah. doubles there, and Sam Hillier with a triple. So that was really nice to see, especially for those young guys. And Trevor Story, you know, staying in the game as long as he did. They had a nice little uh, line change and in, in true hockey style with these expanded rosters. <laughs> uh, but it was nice to see Tapia, Story, and even Walters behind the plate sticking it out for all nine innings. It's one of those small things. Maybe you can feel good about. Uh, as you're packing up to to fly back to DIA and box up all your possessions and at the start of another off season. Yeah. Uh, you know, we may as well do that now before we start getting into more of the big picture stuff and whatever the questions you guys are going to have, throw them out there because more and more you're going to uh, direct this conversation, obviously. But since you did mention the rally there and Tapia with a couple of base hits, uh, a run scored, he's he's got to be the draft king of the game uh there there weren't a ton of candidates in this one with uh free really not getting the job done and the pitching just trying to find outs as you mentioned the offense mostly listless throughout the game but two for four with the run scored a couple of doubles neither were uh you know smashes into the gap um but it but again this is Rymal Tapia's game slap the ball all around the ball field. If he gets a little bit away from the outfielders, that's where he's going to get his extra base hits. Um, you know, you don't, you know, we've talked about this a lot. Do you want him to hit the ball over the wall more? Do you want him to hit those hard line drives into the gap and, and off the wall a bit more often? And I've gone back and forth on that myself. And I think, you know, if we're doing the, we, we do this at the end of a series, you know, what's the thing I learned from this series and now we can sort of do what, what's the big thing I learned from this season, at least in terms of Ryan Altapia for me, because I'm, I'm not surprised at the production, right? So what did I learn after eight or nine years of me covering this young man and his journey from Grand Junction in 2013 to what he did here in, in 2020? And it's that I don't want him trying to hit for more power. I, I I want him to stay right where he is. He finishes the season batting 321. Uh, I think it was like a 335 over the stretch since he got put into the leadoff spot and was be, being given every day at bats and barely slugging over 400. Don't care. If you're going to bat 321 out of the leadoff spot, when this team, if and when this team gets right, whether that includes a Nolan Arenado or not, or getting more bats that – that's going to play. And and that's where I want him at. Yeah. He finishes out uh, tops on the team with that 321 batting average, which is really nice and, and dropped his strikeout percentage because, you know, that's it. 
Man, that's that's a key component of any player's success. You're okay with, you know, those prototypical Adam Dunn, you know, three true outcome guy where, oh man, he strikes out a third of his at bats. Yeah. But the other two thirds of the time, he's either hitting a home run or walking. And you'd be okay with that. Uh, still in, in today's game, uh, post PED. And Tapia, as you said, he's he's never going to have that kind of power. So he just needs to put the ball in play more. And he did that. And he caused a little bit of havoc. You're right. He didn't have scorchers uh, with those two doubles. But on the, the second one, caused a little bit of chaos. Uh, the defensive miscue by Tim LaCastro in, in left field allowed Walters to score. So, you know, Tapia doesn't get the RBI on that one, but certainly helps, you know, create something there. Uh, before he comes around uh, to score on, on the next hit there. So, you know, really took a, a positive step forward. And it's it's interesting that Tapia, and, and in some ways, you know, Tapia and Arenado kind of, you know, had the same approach to this season. And it worked for Tapia, you know, as far as making more contact, not worrying about the power. And it didn't quite work out for Nolan Arenado. Now, again, how much of that you know, shoulder issue, you know, was, was a factor in it, you know, because he had the power in the early going and then it seemed to really, you know, sap him from that. So uh, we can't maybe give a, a full grade on that approach that he had, but it definitely seemed to work for Rymel Tapia. And, you know, he's, he's become that consistent factor that, you know, you can wish all you want on David Dahl, but if he's not on that field, Gotta be there. It it, it 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 means nothing. It's it's like a, a prospect in double A. Like, oh man, we've got one of the best prospects down in Hartford right now. That's great, but we've got a game to win at Coors Field against the Diamondbacks or Padres or Giants, etc. And do your thing down in double A or do your thing in rehabilitate, you know, in rehab. But we need a guy to be out there and it, patrolling the outfield, hitting at the top of the lineup. And Ryan Maltapia is that guy for these Colorado Rockies. Yeah, absolutely. And I and I fully expect him to be their leadoff hitter coming into next season and for them to feel comfortable with that. Uh, we'll see what they do to to build uh, the rest of the offense, if anything at all. And let's so let's get into some of the questions now coming in. So you guys ready? You're, you've been chomping at the bit. I've been holding off for the last several days to do too much of it. Let's get into at least the big question. I see a lot of you asking here, Joseph, about Nolan asking, is Nolan gone by the first month of spring training. And I, I was asked this question on Twitter the other day or something like that. And I said, I think there's about an 85% chance that Nolan Arenado is with the team on opening day 2021. And it's and that's honestly me hedging a little bit against things I may not know. Um, all it really takes is one GM out there to actually decide they are going to overpay or at least pay fair price for Nolan Arenado and Nolan going to Jeff Bright and saying, I really don't want to be here anymore. If those two dots connect, he could get traded, but it needs to be well understood that this decision is not as of right now in Nolan Arenado's hands. So no matter how unhappy he is, he can't leave until after one more year. It's entirely up to whether or not the Rockies decide to trade him before then or not and i just don't think that that's very likely uh, i don't think there are too many teams who are going to offer fair value for a guy coming off an injury riddled season who does have a big honking contract um, and who could potentially just opt out of that contract and not even stay with your team after you've given up x y and z prospects so 
I, as I did last off season, my, and Patrick, I know you were, you were with me on this. We had slightly different takes on it, but the core central theme that I think was the same is that this is not as simple as Nolan wants out. Therefore he's gone. Uh, there are so many other factors, uh, including everything I just mentioned, the players union and, and his contract, so many things that come into it. So I actually think there's a pretty strong possibility that he'll at least be there to start next season. And then a lot of that will depend on how the team looks and plays from there. Yeah. And I think that's a fair assessment. I had, I had said uh, last off season that I thought, you know, in the midst of all of the Arenado V Breidich back and forth and battles and how upset, you know, uh, it seemed Arenado was, was rightfully so upset, you know, only a mere few months after signing that extension, I, I said at the Denver Press Club that I, I thought he would finish out his his contract with the with the team and and really it was it's just about getting past that opt out and once he doesn't opt out say then that's it he's going to finish his career as as a, a Rockies player much like Todd Helton unless Dick you know Dick Monford realizes maybe I should have you know dealt Helton and got something for him. Uh, but I think in the long run, he probably looks back and, and says, no, I, I like that. You know, we're we're like the Royals who had George Brett whole career in Kansas City and the Phillies, Michael Jack Schmidt, you know, whole career in Philadelphia. Again, two of the greatest third basemen of all time. So, you know, I, I think Dick Monfort is, is looking down the road in that bigger picture and says, hey, all right, if Nolan, you want to be around here after 2021 and you don't opt out, you know, you're, you're probably going to, you know, finish your time here uh, as, as a Colorado Rocky. So that's the, the biggest hurdle. And I, I didn't think he would opt out. Um, have, you know, this is obviously before the pandemic, but just the idea that we don't know what the uh, next CBA is going to do to right. the face of, of the game. And it's only, it's only going to favor the owners going forward. So, that's that's going to hurt the players and 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 the the union and their ability to go ahead and and get more money in free agency. I while while the opt out, I think the opt out hurts the Rockies more than it does Nolan Arenado because as you alluded to, Drew, you know, hey, if if we acquire Nolan Arenado, we don't want him for a year. We're going to give you a package that's going to be worth more than that. And really, how I think it would play out is a team would say, well, look. We need to come to some kind of agreement, but we need to be able to speak to Nolan Arenado and and get some kind of reassurance right. that right. he's not going to opt out. And you know what? And 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 that team is really what what that team's going to have to do is say, Nolan, look, we we don't want you to opt out, obviously, or we're not going to acquire you, but we're going to give you another year on the back end. We'll give you another, you know, when you're when you're you know, thirty-seven, uh, yeah. another twenty-five million dollars, which then in turn hurts his value in return. For the Rockies, but you know, all, all, all things being equal, it's, again, those are only problems if you really, really want to get Nolan Arenado off of this team. <laughs> if if what you want yeah. is for Nolan Arenado to play the rest of his career in Colorado, I think both of us think that's the most likely thing. Not necessarily a slam dunk will, like we've said, things can happen, things can line up, but I think far more things need to line up than people realize in order for him to leave, including even just leaving on the opt-out, getting traded, whatever it may be. It does, of course, beg 
the other question that we're getting here then. So, you know, how long, <laughs> Henry phrased it exactly the same way. Same question, will Jeff Breidich be gone before spring training begins next year? And again, I would put the odds about the same, <laughs> that there's probably an 80 to 85% chance that Jeff Breidich is still the GM of the Colorado Rockies in, in 2021. And I'm basing that entirely on the history of the organization and, and Dick Monfort's relationship with GMs. Um, and, you know, I, I can't say for sure that he has the same amount of loyalty to Jeff Breidich that he did to Dan O'Dowd. And I think sometimes we forget it's still a little bit early in his general tenure as a GM. And I, I don't think that Dick Monfort gets quite enough credit for the fact that he's not the same owner that he was 10 years ago, but I don't think he's evolved quite that much. Um, I, I think that he believes they can all get into a room together, solve this and come up with a plan to reattack next season. And I understand why most fans don't believe that they're capable of doing that. Um, but Dustin asked the question, so what if Brighton gets fired, get a new GM, make some moves that entice Nolan? Totally fair to frame it that way, but you can also take the first two parts out of it, right? Whether you're putting on your Dick Monfort hat or your Jeff Breidich hat, the idea is make the team better, and then you don't have to worry about Nolan Arenado wanting to leave. Yeah, if if you if you put your Dick hat on, I actually think there's a better chance that Jeff Breidich uh, has a better chance of coming back than Nolan Arenado because. Sure, there, there's only one Nolan Arenado. And there are probably a lot of guys that are you know, just as good, if not better, than Jeff Breidich. But how many of those guys have such a strong working knowledge of the business side of the game? And you are right now in a moment in which there's a pandemic, right? Yeah, we could be, have a recession coming up because of all this. So the finances are a super key part. So this might not be the best time for you to have such a turnover, just like it wouldn't be a, probably a great time to go out and say, you know what, we're going to have the biggest off season of moves we're ever going to have, you know, JT Riomuto, Yes. Get him at all costs. Let's sign him. Who else is a free agent this off season? Let's go ahead and attack those guys. Let's see if we can acquire JD Martinez and get his contract on the books. Like those things are just not going to happen. So I, I, I think in that case, uh, if you're wearing that type of cap, uh, you would uh, bring back Jeff Breidich um, is more likely than Nolan Arenado. But you're correct. Yeah, you can still entice Nolan to to stick around and, and to feel comfortable and uh, and to get the best out of him. He's a professional. And again, we've we talked about it. You know, the past year and a half, this idea that Nolan is ready and and wants to take that next step to ensure that he is going to Cooperstown. And if he's going to do that, and he's still on the Rockies. He's, he's not going to sit out, right? He's not going to be. He's not going to pull an Antonio Brown and just say, "Oh, I'm going to sit out for the 2021 season. You better trade me." No, that that doesn't happen in baseball. He's going to go right. out and play, put up numbers, and that only is going to increase his value in free agency if he does opt out. So, you know, if no one comes back, you know, if no one comes back for 2021. You know, that's. I think ultimately that's that's a good thing. Yeah, I do too, and. Because there's there's still a way to build. I saw Will up there earlier saying, you know, uh, go let's just go ahead and blow the whole damn thing up. 
uh, no reason to go through another year of this. And, um, you know, what, what I would say to you, Will, is just, and, and this is, I think, just a, a bias of mine in life. I like to have options. I like to have the ability to gather more information and then make a decision based upon that information. And if the Colorado Rockies blow it up right now, I think it would be justified. I think it would be very easy to explain why. But there's no, there's no going back. That's an all-in decision. Um, if, you, if you're going to blow it up, if you do a half measure blow it up, that's just the worst possible thing you can do, right? So you've got to go all in. you got to trade Nolan, Trevor, Charlie, John Gray, uh, Scott Oberg probably, maybe even a guy like Herman Marquez, and really start thinking about a window three or four years from now. And you have to fully commit to that the second you make the first move, which probably has to be trading Nolan. And again, justifiable, but once you've done that, there's no other option. There, there's no other way to go. Where for me, I think, got all these guys, got a great core of players. You do have money to spend, and they've spent money before. Not well, but they've spent it. And there are some pretty interesting free agents out there. And you give it one more go with this team. If it's not working, blow it up at the trade deadline. The op You still have that option. So that's why I'm giving it one more run with these guys, even if it's a short sample run. But it can't just be these guys. <laughs> you, you've got to go get a better supporting cast. You do. You do. And, and you know, with, with Story and Gray being free agents after the 2021 season, that ultimately means you have until July 31st because, and, right. and that's essentially what you're alluding to is this idea that you've got those uh, four months of the season to figure out, okay, do we hold on to these assets and in, in Story and Gray uh, for the final two months, or do we see what we can get? Um, maybe you do that with David Dahl as well. If you get a team that's just really, you know, enticed by it and, you know, you, you have been drew the, um, someone that's kind of changed my, uh, I wouldn't say opinion, but you've changed how I looked at a couple of things as far as players when they leave Coors Field, uh, and you know, how productive they've been and how it's, it's, it sure it's, it's a band box and it's, it's a great opportunity. Uh, to hit there offensively, but still it takes a toll on your body. And when guys leave course field, they, they typically do a little bit better. Uh, they have those improvements. So, you know, uh, that's, that's another frustrating part of a rebuild. And what you're talking about is, is a full on tank, which I'd be for, I'd be all for that. Cause if, if you're not good at winning, you better be good at losing. But the, the, probably the most frustrating part would be, you know, not in just losing, you know, a hundred games for two, three years in a row. And certainly 90 plus games for three years in a row, but it would be all of those guys, Nolan, Trevor, David Dahl, Charlie Blackman, Marquez, all of those guys going somewhere else and doing exactly what, and yeah. doing exactly what DJ LeMahieu is doing mm -hmm. right now where he's, you know, not a household name just yet, but uh, possibly with a good off season or rather with a good postseason you know, he could put himself in that conversation. So that I think would probably be the most disappointing thing is, 
to just look at your your exes and doing real well, you know? <laughs> Every time I convince myself, now I'm, I'm, I'm leading forward to a conversation that I want to have in, in much greater detail that you just alluded to a moment ago too. But every time I convince myself that it might be time to trade David Dahl, if you can get recent to fair value for him, I have those nightmare flashes in my mind, Patrick Lyons. I, I, ha I, I, I see him in a White Sox jersey winning MVP or being the second most valuable player on a team that wins the World Series and hitting 340 uh, out of a two hole, stealing 20 bags and just, you know, every, because <laughs> it's all in there. You know, it's in there. And that's what's, of course, Nolan would be the worst. Uh, that would, that would, no matter where he went, him not having to deal with the hangover effects anymore, the impact of altitude, um, and, and just being able to go out and focus on his day in and day out routine. Um, he, he put up monster numbers and maybe the silver lining to, to your nightmare scenario is that if they did, if they all went out and did that at the same time, maybe finally nationally people would start to realize. Um, and most importantly, I, I think the numbers people, because it is important to recognize and account for and balance these things. And I don't think that most of the numbers folks have like some kind of vendetta against the Colorado Rockies. I think they can just be pretty protective of their numbers sometimes. And so when you say, look, Nolan's 125 WRC plus is shorting him by at least 10 points. Well, if all those guys leave and all their WRC pluses balloon, just like you mentioned, LeMay Hughes has done and, and people will start to recognize it's like literally them taking the weight off of the bat. Like this giant weight comes off of their shoulders when they leave this place. For sure. That, that, that is, it's hard to contextualize because, you know, whether you're a fan or, or you're, you're doing this professionally, you know, you, you look at the numbers, like you, we watch the games with our eyes, but that's one of the reasons why, you know, the sabermetric movement uh, has been so important in not just the game of baseball, but in sports altogether, because it's, it's really, you know, forced us to say, well, you think, you know, what you saw, or, you know, what you only saw a glimpse of this guy. How good was he? Was he on par with, with the best in the game? And, and these kind of analytics allowed you to kind of see the things that you don't get to see, you know, it, it, here's evidence. Here's, here's statistical evidence right. of what this guy did. You know, I, I, can remember having conversations with uh, an uncle of mine who's, you know, a, a huge, you know, um, baseball historian. And he's, I, I don't believe in all that stuff. That's all crazy. It's like, because if you look at the end of the season, you know, who leads the league in RBI, you know, that's always, you know, those are always the guys that are there. So I said, okay, I mean, I guess that makes sense, right? Um, you know, RBI isn't the be all end all stat because if you've had a lot of opportunities, and you're only good in 50% of those, you could still end up with 85 RBI. And you go, I had a great year. I had 85 RBI. Yeah, but you came up to the plate with two guys on base all the time. Yeah. So it's easy to see, look at the leaderboard and go, yep, this guy's great. This guy's great. But what about guys who don't qualify? Or what about guys who, when they came up, no one was on base? You know, Josh Fuentes' numbers look really good. But when he's coming up and you know, batting 6th, you know, 7th, or 8th in the lineup in the early part of um, – his opportunities this year in, in late August, hey, a lot of those you know singles that went through would have been yeah. RBI, 
And, yep. and, you know, that, that just, that's just one example. So that, that stuff goes on over the course of 162 game season for 30 different teams. So you, you need to have that kind of backing. And I think even still, we haven't, we haven't fully, you know, grasped, you know, the, the, the legitimacy of these numbers. We, we talked about it before we even started the podcast. There's a difference. This, this might be mind blowing to anyone um, who's not, you know, a hardcore uh, user of wins above replacement, but there is no definitive wins above replacement, right? You'll either see F war or B war. And that stands for fan graphs or baseball reference. So you have two different companies that calculate how many, how many more wins in a season you get with one player over another and they can't agree on, you know, those those evaluations. And the Rockies are one of those teams that, you know, either Kyle Freeland was worth, you know, about about two wins above replacement coming into Sunday's start uh, before he got knocked around uh, in 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 uh, two and one thirds innings, or he's just slightly better than than average. Like those two things should not happen to the same guy that's going out there. Uh, and, and accumulating nine quality starts over the course of, of 12 outings. So, um, man, they, they, we've got a long way to go. We'll, we'll, we'll just leave it at that. And, and that's the one thing we'll say this offseason is the analytics department for the Rockies needs to improve. Every, every team needs to, be, needs to put a lot of money into analytics to figure out the things that we don't know yet. As much as we think we know uh, analytically um, and, and, and the stats that are available to us online, that only that's what the laymen have created right. the people on the inside they've got stuff that would blow our minds away right including by the way the rockies it just doesn't stack up to what the top level mlb teams are doing but uh i remember personally just to, to dig back into the memory file being absolutely blown away when i finally had a personal conversation with dan o'dowd one-to-one in real life and everything out of his mouth was framed through analytics. And he had a reputation at the time of being a traditionalist, old school guy, didn't understand analytics whatsoever. And he was talking to me about their proprietary war per dollar statistics and um, ta- honestly talking to me very openly about what it would have taken at the time to trade like Troy Tulowitzki. And boiling it all down to numbers where you would have thought that, you know, he might have at some point been like, hey, look, the guy's the face of the franchise. You know, we're just talking here. And, you know, it was just like, look, this is what it comes down to. I think I can get more value, especially per dollar, because then if I can go and spend that money somewhere else, if I get these three players from this system out of there, I've got this guy at this value. I've got this guy at this value. This guy I'm a little less sure on, and I've got him between here and here. I'm going to have to pay him this much. And he just went on and on and on. And people, and I just think people would have been floored by uh, the, the just the level, uh, the depth of knowledge. But again, it can't just floor me as the layman who's got access to baseball reference and fan graphs. You've got to be able to uh, not necessarily compete with the Dodgers and their $2 billion industry there. You've got to be able to find a way to compete with the Reds and the, you know, Padres and, and, and teams like that that aren't necessarily from the bigger markets. You've got to be able to hold up your end 
and and figure this out. So, like I said in that article I wrote yesterday or the day before, whenever it was, uh, if the Rockies only had five million dollars to spend this offseason, and they don't, they've got quite a bit more than that. But if they only had five million, they would do far better to spend all of it on their analytics department rather than sign any player you can think of that would be legitimately worth five million dollars. Because there's no one player who's going to come in here and fix this thing. But uh, a new approach that's analytically driven, some new computers, a few more bodies crunching the numbers, a few more minds going over it and making sure that the Rockies don't beat themselves as often as they do. You get, you're, they're not getting the most out of the people they have. And that's just as much of a problem as not having the right people. Well, think about the Breidich barrier. Think about the fence that's out there in right center field and a little bit over down on that left field line. There's there's a, a small little fencing over there. Like how much analytics went into realizing, hey, you know what? If we just you know throw up some fencing there, that's going to cost maybe a couple thousand dollars tops. What that's going to end up do- doing is, you know, our, our players are going to perform better. We'll able to, we're going to be able to squeeze out a couple extra wins here and there. And in that 2017, 2018 season, those couple extra wins that they were able to squeeze out at home were the difference in making the playoffs and not. And that right there earns you back all that extra $5 million. That, it, that It's a one-to-one relationship there where, yeah, bringing in one player, uh, that one player could have a great season and sells a bunch of jerseys. But then if Nolan or Story or Marquez has a down year, well, then you know you don't make the playoffs, so you don't get any extra money there. And you're not selling as many of those players' jerseys because right. they're, they're taking a dip. So um, it's too many moving Some pieces. It's golf, but no, you're right. <laughs> Other than yeah, <laughs> come on, sell some, sell some tappy jerseys out there. I would love that. Yeah, yeah. Th- so that's that's a fun thing, and I, I thought we might have talked about this once before on on the podcast. Um, it was the 2019 season. You know, when we stand up for the national anthem, you know, we kind of have that moment. Before I sit back down, when the anthem is over, I would kind of look around, you know, the that lower bowl and see what kind of strange jerseys were there. And oh, we got we got a Michael Kadire jersey over here. And, oh, my God, is that a Jamie Carroll jersey? Okay, that's – oh, that's a game-worn almost looks like. And just going <laughs> around that- it. Yeah, yeah, it could have been. Um, and and to my knowledge, I, I haven't seen any Rymel Tapia jerseys. I think that could change next offseason. A couple yeah. David Dahls, not a lot. Uh, a lot of Josh Fuentes's last year, to be uh, fair, was his family. Uh, <laughs> but we could see more next year. And I so – don't play a ton of them. That's it. That's it. So that that will be exciting to to see whoever whoever that might be in 2021. So KJS, I will again say no that that is not the starting infield next year. McMahon, Story, Hampson, and Fuentes. I believe that Arenado will be there. I also do think, and they've been bad at this twice. The Rockies will take a long hard look at getting themselves a first baseman who can mash. And that will relegate Josh Fuentes to more of a bench slash utility role, which may or may not be best for him. Now, I I got to take another look. We've got Dustin asking about if we've got shortlist for free agent. Uh, we're going to have to go through all the positions. We'll, we'll do that again like we did last year where we go relievers, starters, outfielders, middle infielders. We probably won't talk about third basemen. They don't need to do that even if they trade nolan arenado they still have several guys who can play third base um uh, first baseman and and catcher and that's that's i mean 
this brings us back to the age-old question, right? Would you like my opinion on what I think the Colorado Rockies should do or what I think they will do? And I'll totally contradict my own article from the other day where I said they should do a whole bunch of little moves. If you could sign JT Real Muto, who's the number one free agent of the offseason in my mind, to a great big honking contract, do it. He's the only guy I would do it for. And uh, if you can and if he, if he comes here and he, – and he's bad bummer <laughs> just then you just get over it because he's been the best catcher in baseball for several years uh both as per, certainly as a combination of his offense and defense because he's plus on both sides of the ball you can bring in a guy like that he helps you in every element of your game you insert him right into the at the very least the fifth spot in the order as protection for nolan arenado um helps you in run prevention. I'd lo- I've always loved JT Romuto forever. So if you could get that done, get it done. Beyond that, I'm more interested in adding a whole bunch of three and $4 million relievers. Yeah. It's, it's funny. It, there really isn't a spot I think on this Rockies team where you couldn't improve by picking up a free agent at any position. Uh, I'm not, I'm not you know, entirely convinced. I mean, yeah, sure. If you could put Ryan McMahon at third base, that, but you not, you need to get a first baseman, or you can get you can get a, a first baseman and a third baseman for McMahon at second base. D- doesn't necessarily matter. You can even go out and get a shortstop because Trevor Story is a free agent after twenty twenty one, and you just tell that that other guy, hey, we're going to move you over to second base for a year, uh, and then then you'll go back. Like we we've seen that happen. Javi Baez was was a great. Um, case in that for a few years with Addison Russell at shortstop. But if 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 we're just going to kind of just briefly touch on some of the top free agents, you know, Trevor Bauer, uh, the top, oh, well, yeah, the top out. starting uh, pitcher, you know, does have a Colorado connection. His father went to school at School of the Mines this off season. He actually spoke with uh, students uh, on sports analytics uh, team and did a whole presentation just for funsies. Like that's what kind of guy he is. Loves the state of Colorado. That's right. I forgot about that. I mean, you'd still probably have to pay Coors Field taxes. He loves Colorado, but he's not an idiot. So yeah, he's coming off a phenomenal season. So that's George Springer uh, is also a free agent, thirty-one years old, but a former teammate of Scott Oberg at the University of Connecticut. So you do have that connection. Uh, You have Marcus Stroman, who is a guy that a lot of Rockies people were incredibly interested in last year when Toronto came to Coors Field. Uh, he pitched really well. He did sit out this season for better or worse, decided to opt out so he didn't pitch. So his arm should be a little bit fresher. He's 29 years old. And then, you know, maybe the most interesting free agent of all, uh, more for the Colorado Rockies than anyone else, uh, that's DJ LeMahieu. You know, that's not a non-starter. I think a lot of people believe that there is bad blood between DJ LeMahieu and the Colorado Rockies, and there's not. Now, I don't think there's a high chance of that happening. Also, I think DJ LeMahieu has rightfully played himself into a new bracket of getting paid. And that was part of how DJ ended up on the Yankees in the first place was that for most of that offseason, nobody wanted to pay him what he and his agent were asking for. It wasn't just the Rockies. It was all 30 teams in baseball who weren't willing to give DJ LeMahieu and his agent, again, what they were asking for. And, uh, that may that may change, and so they may get priced out of that one. But I will say, DJ would take the Rockies' call. He's not like sitting there going, "Man, screw that Jeff Bright, and she didn't even care about me." Like that's not 
that's not how it went down. Like they came out and said, we want this much. And they went, Ooh, we don't have that much. <laughs> and that was kind of the end of that conversation. He ended up signing well after the Rockies signed Daniel Murphy for how much money they did have just happened to have to settle for the same amount. But it, I don't know if this was, if I saw this meme or it just seems so obvious uh, the one of the boyfriend holding the girlfriend's hand and it should have, you know, should be Daniel Murphy's head looking around and, and, and eyeballing DJ LeMahieu as he walks by, because that's really, you know, what uh, transpired uh, after that, that 2018, 19 off season. And you're right. Identical contracts. Um, the, the, the nice thing about DJ's deal, at least for the Yankees is once they get done paying him this year, they're done paying him. So Daniel Murphy still has a $6 million buyout next year. And in fact, you'd probably have to look at the numbers because of the pandemic and because of the 60 game schedule, technically the Rockies may end up having to pay Daniel Murphy more than the Yankees pay DJ LeMahieu. Oh, Ouch, right, because that's true. Ouch. Yeah. I mean, again, th these are the kinds of little things I always just have to let slide because it's just you have to laugh nature. at it. Yeah. You, you, you got to laugh at those. Ones that's baseball. That, that is the nature of the beast for sure. But yeah, I'm with you. Like, oh, mm -hmm. I, I forgot about Stroman. So, so those would be my top two if, if, if in an ideal world. And again, I'm projecting the Rockies to have about. 55-ish million, we're guessing. Because they can spend however much they want. <laughs> like, right. So we're we're projecting based on what they have spent in the last couple of years, how much they've raised their salary. Uh, also, how much guys are going to get in arbitration, we're not going to know for sure. So I, I would bet though I'm within a few million there, certainly within 10. Um, and so that's that's stuff you, you can do quite a bit with $55 million. Um, but you got to do it right. Uh, I, I, I love the idea of Marcus Stroman in a Rockies uniform. I've always loved the idea of Marcus Stroman in a Rockies uniform. Again, you got to pay an extra tax to get starting pitching in here. Um, starting pitching is not the number one area of concern for the Rockies, but the way, like you just said, Patrick, there's no area they can't add talent. And if adding Marcus Stroman means that you have to push a guy like Castellani or Lambert into the bullpen or something like that, then that helps you in another way, potentially, if those guys can can adapt to that role. Uh, but Stro I think Stroman and Real Muto would be my my Christmas morning sort of acquisitions for the Colorado Rockies. If they figured out either one of those, um, even if they didn't work out, you'd have to sing their praises for it. You'd have to. Yeah, that that would be that would be a major shift, I think, um, for the organization in, in a lot of ways. You know, especially the fact that they went out and got two of the premier guys. You know, it, it's kind of lost on I think a lot of people because it was you know so long ago, and, uh, and you know it, it did work out for Colorado. But at the time, in the ninety four ninety five off season, which was a very strange one because of of the ninety four strike that canceled the the World Series. And they only had about three weeks of, you know, quote unquote, spring training uh, before they started in late April that year in 95. But the the top offensive free agent going into that season by war over the last three seasons was Larry Walker. And the Rockies signed him. And the top pitching free agent uh, based on uh, baseball references war 
from the previous three seasons were was the San Francisco Giants, Bill Swift. Rockies got that guy too. Now, again, this is only uh, after two years of the Rockies. They're moving into a new building in Coors Field. So we've seen teams go and, go and do that whenever they get a, a new stadium. They want to really make a, a major impact. Um, again, they're, the team is in their infancy and say, hey, let's, let's see what happens. Diamondbacks, of course, went and did that early on uh, in their franchise history. But there was a time, there was an offseason in which your Colorado Rockies signed the top two free agents. Top offensive player, top pitcher. Uh, they won't do it again this year. But uh, it wouldn't be a first, believe know. it or not. It wouldn't be first. It wouldn't be the first. And again, I, I feel like you know people forget – they spent the money on the Super Bullpen. They were bad, but there was, were big contracts on good players at the time. I think they'll try to do something similar to that. It's just, are we going to like these players or not? But, you know, they they tried to acquire Jose Abreu and offered him way more money. I'm pretty sure they've tried to acquire Marcus Stroman a couple of times before. They. Yeah like him they know him they're well aware of his numbers at Coors Field and so it's just a matter of can they pull it off and I get why people are like nope <laughs> but let's see what, what would your level of shock be if they signed let's say Stroman I was gonna say real Muto because I'd be like I think I'd Stroman's still be more realistic yeah I do and, too. And, and I think because this is almost like the perfect eye of the storm for a couple reasons one there's going to be some teams maybe maybe down on Stroman because he didn't play this season. So right, there could be there could be a look, we we don't want a guy like that cuz he he didn't come out for his team. Everything was fine. We said it was going to be fine. See, it was fine. You're 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 a bad egg. So that's going to take a couple teams out of the running. You're also going to have some guys that say, "Well, you know, you you just have that many um I was going to say less bullets in the gun, but that's a good thing is, is to have, you know, less innings on your arm and in a lot of ways. So he's got that rest, but you know, what's that, what's the impact of that? So you could have a couple of teams that are out on him for that reason. And then with the pandemic, again, there could be teams really, really low balling Marcus Stroman. I mean, you have to, right. But not, not in, in an insulting way, just maybe not giving him that five year, you know, $90 million deal. You know, he might've been hoping to get going into this season, so now it's it's all right. Uh, we we feel unsure about giving you that fourth year. So we'll give you, you know, three years, you know, fifty five million or something something like that. And now that Rockies tax that they will still have to pay will ultimately be less than would it have less than yeah. what it would have been pre COVID pre pandemic. And That's you right. go, whoa, this. Works out. They're still going to be paying in the long run, and like, and like, there'll be, yeah. there'll be those financial implications mm-hmm. where it comes down, and and the Monforts are looking at the books and like, we got to get rid of some payroll somewhere else, and you you've got a rebuild situation that that is impacted by the signing of a Marcus Stroman, but it very well could happen. Yeah, and I see Will and Kenneth talking about you know the reported rumor that it was the Blue Jays who asked for Charlie Blackman in that trade for Marcus Stroman, and I'll tell you this right now. I do that like straight. Like if, if you could now, this is like on the, this is not a thing that's on the table, but if you have another take, time machine situation that we're, exactly. we're misusing the time machine to just make a, a baseball trade drew. That's correct. Why do we keep doing this every time we get our hands on a time machine? <laughs> could do something much more important with it. <laughs> However, if you could right now take Charlie Blackman's contract, 
move it over to Marcus Stroman, put him on the Rockies. It's probably a bit of an overpay. Marcus Stroman, a little bit based on his numbers. I'd still do it. And that's, and, and every, we all love Charlie Blackman and we should. And if he gets to spend his whole career in Colorado, it's a great story. And I don't think he's going to stop hitting. And if the DH comes to the national league, that's really going to help. If it goes away next year, that's going to be brutal. If you have to keep running them out there in right field all the time, everybody loves Charlie and they should, but Stroman helps you win more baseball games. In, in my estimation, because of the importance of the starting pitching role and all of the other things that come with it. So I understand not doing that move at the time, but it's a swap that I would probably be willing to make. Yeah, and I, I think the Rockies have a depth issue, uh, and, and you touched on in your article, we'll talk about this offseason, but you don't need as much depth in the outfield as you do in the starting rotation. And even though the Rockies do have four, you know, very good starters, three that are going to be on the roster for still a few more seasons now, uh, Gray, of course, the free agent, um, you know, you can, you can, you can find an outfielder. You can create an outfielder. You can come up with a platoon, you know, Dahl, Tapia, Hilliard on paper, you go, okay, maybe, maybe that can work. Let's put Hampson out there a little bit. And again, now all you need to do is go sign, you know, a, a fourth outfielder or make a trade with a, with another team and, and, and bring in that guy that you can platoon and you've got a good situation. Where Kevin. are you getting? Yeah. Where are Kevin Pillar? Perfect. There you go. Where are you getting a potential number two number starter? Five, Definitely maybe. number three starter. No worse than a number four starter. Straight. No one's giving you uh, that in a deal. Reach it. Professor Lyons, hundred percent. Straight up. And that's that's what's so difficult about, I think, the entire history of the Rockies because they grow these superstar position players, man, and we love them. We love Larry Walker and Dante Bichette, Andres Galarraga, Vinny Castilla, and Todd Helton, and Cargo, and Tulo, and Brad Hopp, and Garrett Atkins. We love those guys, too. Uh, and we love... Nolan Arnato and Trevor Story and Charlie Blackman. These are the faces. These are the foundations of the entire history of the Colorado Rockies organization. So to diminish them doesn't feel right either. Um, but you noticed I didn't name any pitchers. If you were if you were being totally honest about ranking the top 10 Colorado Rockies of all time, you could probably force Jorge De La Rosa onto the list at 10th because there aren't too many other bit like Aaron cook is maybe in the conversation, but again, those guys will always be there. They'll find them. The position players come and do their thing and, and you want to pay them all the money and keep them around and make them lifetime guys. Helton was a lifetime guy. And maybe Arenado will be a lifetime guy. It's on the table for both Blackman and story, but are these guys being lifetime guys? which is something I've always been very much in favor of, but you, you can't do it with all of them. And you've got to find a pitcher eventually who's worth being a lifetime guy. And, and, and even if we're not even talking about lifetime guy, we're, even if we just talk about players who are dominant for a short period of time, because I don't think you would even say that about Cook or De La Rosa. You would say that about Ubaldo Jimenez and you'd say, yeah. okay, in, in, in that instance, and, 
you know, I know we, we've got some great Rockies fans, everyone that, that is, is following along live now or leaving comments on our YouTube page, or if you're a subscriber, you know, you know, asking us questions and, and having a conversation back and forth in the comments section of our articles, you know this. You, you know all those guys that, that Drew just listed, uh, particularly those pitchers. But if you, if you uh, farm it out to the 700-plus members of the Baseball Writers Association of America, some of which may have not a great idea what's going on in the world of baseball, uh, or to some of the members of SABRE, the Society for American Baseball Research, the most hardcore baseball fans we have in the world, because it's, it's, it, it could potentially change uh, so that it's no longer American baseball research. But if you farm it out to them, how, how many of them would you have to wait at least at least a minute and a half for them to stop laughing after you said Jorge De La Rosa and Aaron Cook? Or how long, or how long would you have to talk for to make them go, I, I don't know, I don't really remember those guys. And yet maybe they are 10th. You know, maybe they are ninth and tenth. It's it's those boppers. It's all that that list that you named off the top of your head. They are so obvious and so clearly. And I, I don't think you're forcing it by trying to put De La Rosa in the conversation or Cook, but it's it's not easy. It's not as easy as those ten guys you just named. Right. You're right. De, De La takes. I think I can do it in a minute and a half, but that's because <laughs> I've had practice with De La. Like De La's case is there if you know it and you're ready to make it. With Aaron Cook, the case is there. Uh, it's just going to take a while, man, because there just isn't too many things to, to hang your hat on. And as you said, you know, look, from about halfway through 2007 until they traded him in 2011, the Colorado Rockies had one pitcher who every fifth day you thought might throw a no-no today. He might strike out 12 guys today. He might absolutely, and then it doesn't matter. You didn't care who was on the other team's lineup. You did not care when Ubaldo went out there. And, that, and that's the only time that's ever been the case. The only time they've had a guy like that. And yeah, that's that, that's a brutal situation. And some of that's the ballpark and some of all the other things. But um, they've gotten closer. they got to figure out how to dominate in the run prevention department. And I think that they can, but they've got to be willing to recognize you can't sign every position player that you fall in love with to a lifetime deal. One or two of them. I got no problem with it. A, a, a generational talent like Nolan Arenado, you can try to keep him around for his entire career. A really, 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 really good player you love a lot and who's the heartbeat of your team like Charlie Blackman. But if you have the opportunity to move on for him from him for a player that makes you better, you have to do it. You have to. I know we have a DNVR explainer series where we explain something clever, right? Uh, but I would love to see almost a, a, a one minute video. Uh, you know, it's like McGruber, but you know, McCreesman where you've got one minute to convince people outside of the state of Colorado that you should know the name Aaron Cook. You're like, okay, so uh, you got to understand in, in the, in the 2008 all-star game at, at Yankee stadium and 
right. you know, <laughs> all this stuff. Like it would be very hard. Game shutout at Coors Field in like two hours. Do you understand that that's impossible? It's not real. He's an alien. Yeah, we could. Do Only that. problem is at the end of every video, though the the bomb would go off the drill. You should know that. <laughs> yeah, I know. What's the most unbreakable record in the history of Major League Baseball? Uh, Cy Young's win total. Yeah, that's probably. Yeah, that's probably right. Just, yeah. just the games, just so, so incredibly different. Yeah. Second, Jorge De La Rosa's win percentage at Coors Field. Qualify. You got to qualify with the. I have to have at least X amount of starts. Sure, sure, sure. We could find it. I mean, because I think, because I think, according to memory, <laughs> after that one game, isn't Drew Butera one and zero? Because technically speaking, <laughs> Butera's got the best winning percentage at Coors Field. Yeah, if you, I think you could, I think you could legitimately make it like seven <laughs> starts to qualify. Yeah, and De La Rosa's winning percentage over all those games he pitched, it's like seventy three percent of the games that he pitched at Coors Field. <laughs> no one's ever gonna break that record. But yeah, no, it's the it's the consecutive. Kenneth is also correct here. Consecutive game streak from Cal Ripken. I think DiMaggio's hitting streak is slightly more beatable than than some other people. Like, it's unlikely, but Cal Ripken's consecutive game streak will never, never be broken. And Cy Young's wins will never even be approached. Under under like under what scenario does somebody win 500 plus games? There isn't one. There, now, there hitting, isn't. hitting streak one, you just it's it's it's, it's a little luck. I mean, it's a, it's a lot of skill. Um, but it's a little, it's a lot of luck. I think that is less likely because at a certain point, teams will stop pitching to a guy and, and, and pitch around him. It, it would have to take the right thing. Whereas, you know, and it might, might seem a little crazy, but, uh, you know, if, and when we start getting computer chips in our body and, and we become half cyborgs, I mean, you'll be able to program your body to play 4,000 straight games. So, and that is only slightly wow. humorous, but that is I see someone's got uh, Johnny Vandermeer's yeah consecutive no hitters for the Cincinnati Reds. Also, uh, if we're going to talk about Reds uh, history, Joe Nuxall uh, made his major league debut at 15 years old. That will never happen again. That's not going to happen again. Yeah. Kenneth, I don't know if that counts as a record. Doc Ellis throwing a no hitter on acid, but <laughs> that will probably not happen again. At least until David Wells's tell all book comes out, and it was like, well, I, I one, I was hungover. That the one perfect game. Right. There was this other Let's one. And, list of the history of no hitters and try to figure out which other ones we think might have been under the influence of some kind of Dallas Braden. And I think he would <laughs> he would thank me if I for saying that. I think Dallas Braden would be like, dude, thank you, thank you. What would you well, say your name was again? Doesn't count. <laughs> He's like, I like your lettuce. You got some good lettuce going too. Hey, thanks, man. I appreciate it. Game recognized That's, game. I forgot about the Dallas on uh, Mother's Day, right? That I don't there was the day. Big, I thought there was a big thing with like his his mother being there, or maybe she'd even passed away, and and he threw a no hitter on. I remember being a very emotional thing and having something to do with his mother. Now we're gonna have to look up the Dallas Braden no hitter. Maybe it was Philip Humber. I don't know. <laughs> Could have been. Could have been. Armando Galarraga, totally straight. Also, didn't get it done. The umpire was on acid. And folks, <laughs> we will see now. 
Jim Joyce was. A, all right. And that's going to have to wrap it up. I, I think we've got a lot more to talk about. Obviously, we are going to run through all of these free agents, the money that the Rockies have to spend, who should come back, who should go. Um, more just kind of diving into the details of it, man, because there's a lot of moving pieces for this team out there at least potentially, and we're going to dive into all of them. We're also going to continue to cover uh, the postseason a little bit, you know, from sort of a, a third-party, third-angle view. I'm going to be checking in on uh, the Blue Jays and the Yankees and obviously just watching the National League stuff because we'll want to see what's going on in the National League. And, Joseph, yes, we will be live this week. We're going to do, uh, you know, I think we're going to go back to our Monday through Friday schedule since we don't have you know a game to go live after every single time we'll, we'll probably be doing the monday through friday we'll figure out a specific time for that probably afternoon evening time we'll come on we'll we'll chat baseball with you we'll check around what's been going on in the world of games that are still being played and then we'll dive into a, a rockies topic of the day but we'll definitely be here we'll be here all off season monday through friday live on the youtube and podcast stuff make sure that you're subscribed you're downloading you subscribe to the dnvr.com so you don't miss out on any of the written content and daniel and daniel we're going to get to all those questions right you guys are questions you want to know about everything what's going on with the angels gm firing this that and the other we'll have a lot more time to talk about it this week and the rest of the month we'll be able to go around the league and, and really take stock of what's going on in the world of baseball and give thoughts on all of that in the coming days now that the rockies are no longer playing baseball but Thank you all so much for hanging with us through what I know is a very difficult offseason and then what was a very strange and and by the end of it, uh, incredibly difficult regular season. Let's not call it a re- – there's nothing regular uh, about that season. And barely season about it. <laughs> and hardly anything seasonable whatsoever, yeah. Uh, but you stuck with us. We did this thing for a great deal of time and we're going to continue to do so so we can only thank you for continuing to be absolutely awesome out there we will continue to be absolutely patrick lyons and drew creaseman in here and until next time we will see you at the ballpark